Welcome to Running Up to Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Usually we talk NBA on the show, quite a bit of NBA, but the NFL playoffs are starting this weekend, so we have to talk some football, uh, especially my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we were playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and I had to be joined by an NFL writer uh, for Athlon Sports. Does a fantastic job covering the Bucks, the NFL as a whole, the NFL draft. My guest is Luke Easterling. Luke, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. I, I know you're you're not far from my neck of the woods, but uh, the the power is flickering because uh, we have tornadoes in the area. So hopefully we'll be doing all right here. Yeah, hopefully we're not freezing throughout this. Hopefully there's no power outages. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I had to bring you on to talk about this Bucks matchup. I want to start with how they finished the season, though, because you know they were they were playing really well. They had they finished you know with five out of six win or winning five out of six games. But that Saints game, I was at that game. It was brutal. Uh, you know, the Saints seem to have the Bucks number for several years now, and, and that was a brutal game to go to. And then that Panthers game, it was just so frustrating, especially offensively. You know, the team wasn't able to do anything. I know Baker Mayfield was limited with the the rib injury, and then I think he also got banged up on a hit too, so he just wasn't himself. But I guess, what's your confidence level entering the postseason for this Bucks team? Uh, I mean, my confidence level rests very much on how poorly the Philadelphia Eagles have played over the last five or six weeks, too. Um, I think that has a lot to do with my confidence compared to last year when I don't think anybody gave him much of a shot uh, against Dallas and rightly so. Um, but, you know, a month and a half ago, that was kind of the feeling again, right, was that, you know, hey, even if the Bucks end up, you know, limping their way to another NFC South title in, in that terrible division, um, you know, they're going to get whatever team doesn't win the NFC East and it's going to be the same result as uh, as it was last year. But if you look at the way Philly's playing, I, I don't know that anybody could have envisioned this being a best case scenario for the Bucks, but kind of seems to be the case uh, if you had to pick anybody to play. I, I don't know if anybody's playing in a more disappointing level relative to expectation than the Eagles are right now. So as far as the Bucks themselves, obviously the performance we've seen over the last two weeks is not good enough, right? You, you, were, you were riding high on that four-game winning streak, um, especially the way they went into Lambeau uh, against Green Bay and played so well in every facet of the game. That's really maybe the only complete game they've played all year. Um, but to, kinda, to, to come home, you know, the home finale, to have a chance to close it out against the Saints and to play so poorly um, and, and lose that game and have to go on the road to play Carolina, and then you go on the road and you know, Carolina's defense is no slouch, by the way. I mean, no, number three defense and total defense in the whole league. So it, it's not like it's terribly surprising that they didn't play well on offense, but just not not enough, not enough to make you feel like you went in and made a statement and played well against the worst team in the league. You know, you you won three field goals to nothing. And, you know, you'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. Um, but I don't think anybody watches this team over the last two weeks. Baker Mayfield banged up. You know, the offense kind of disjointed, the defense still not, you know, still giving up too many chunk plays, not not making enough big plays on their own. Um, just not enough, uh, not enough to feel confident. So you, you're hopeful if you're a Bucks fan, you're looking at this and saying, hey, as long as the Eagles keep playing like they have and the Bucks can recapture whatever the hell it was that they had in Lambeau in that four game winning streak that that, that was a part of, then they've got a shot at home Monday night. Um, you know, a place is going to be rocking. It's going to be a great atmosphere. But that's what you're hoping if you're a Bucks fan, that the Eagles can continue to have the same problems and that the Bucs can fix theirs. That's what you're hoping. So I'm curious, what's going on with the Eagles team? Because, you know, I've been watching from afar, but they've lost five of six. Fans are freaking out, calling for coaches to be fired. I believe they changed defensive play callers. And uh, it's just 
really ugly. And now, I mean, as if it wasn't bad enough, Jalen Hurts has an injured finger. A.J. Brown is banged up. Devonta Smith has an injured ankle, I think. There's a number of injuries they've been dealing with as well. So, you know, they are limping into the uh, playoffs, literally and figuratively. But yeah. what's going on with the Eagles team? And what are the keys to beating the Eagles if you're the Bucks? You know, I think... They've got, obviously, you look at the personnel, and, and when you're less than full strength and a, and a lot of your key players are banged up, it's not fun. But, you know, also some questionable things going on with the coaching as well. The, the switch from Sean Desai to, to Pat, Matt Patricia for, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and the fact that it really hasn't fixed anything may have made things worse, and they're just going to roll with it and stick with it, which, again, if you're a Bucks fan, you're, you're thrilled with that. Uh, but if you're an Eagles fan, you're probably really frustrated and disappointed and confused about some of the decisions there. I think if anything, particularly on offense, obviously you're limited in how dynamic you can be compared to last year because of the injuries that Jalen Hurts has been dealing with and the other guys as well. But I, I think they just really miss Shane Steichen. I think they really miss what he brought to the table. If you go see what he's doing in his first year as a head coach in Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew after Anthony Richardson gets hurt and see the way they played the rest of the season, uh, you can easily see why they miss him so much in Philly you know, maybe Jonathan Gannon to a certain extent as he's in Arizona now as well. But it just, I don't know, schematically, it doesn't seem like the players are playing with the same kind of confidence they played with last year, whether that's confidence in themselves and the personnel because they know they're banged up or confidence in the coaching and the play calls and the scheme and, and the way they're drawing it up compared to last year. It just looks like a very disjointed team on the field, on the sideline. And 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 I don't know what will fix that. And again, as a Bucks fan, I hope they don't. Um, but, uh, but that, that's kind of what I see is it's just, it's a kind of a perfect storm of a lot of things. Um, and I don't know that there's an easy fix, which maybe that's why they're just, they're going to try to stick with it and hope they can just kind of flip a switch and overcome it or some magical thing's going to happen to where they can click and, and be somewhere close to what they were last year or, or somewhere close to what they were for the first 10 or 11 weeks this year too. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's really what it is. It's, it's, you know, the, they're, they're banged up. Maybe they're not as confident when they're banged up. Uh, and the fact that I don't think the scheme and the coaching is doing them any favors right now. I have to ask you about Baker Mayfield. I think he's exceeded all expectations. Uh, arguably the biggest bargain in the NFL with the contract that he signed and just the play. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of what you've seen from Baker this year? Uh, and then obviously he's a free agent after this year. There's a lot of conversation among Bucks fans. You know, do you pay him and give him a Geno Smith type deal? Uh, you know, a three-year significant payday. Or do you turn to a different option you know, try to find someone cheaper. I know there's a lot of fans that want uh, the Bucks to try to draft a quarterback, but I'm not sure that that's a realistic option with where they'll be picking. What are your thoughts on kind of what you've seen from Baker and then his future in Tampa? So I'll try not to gloat too much about the way he's played this year, which again, it's not, you know, it hasn't been a superstar or anything, but, you know, going back to, to some of the things that I wrote, you know, for Athlon back in May or June when, when the team was fighting, you know, was starting to come together and you saw what the plan was, I mean, there's just so many people where they were national voices, Bucks fans. There were some even within the fan base that were just not confident in Todd Bowles as the head coach, Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. A lot of people just didn't see any way this team was going to be anything better than a bottom five team. And it was just so hard for me to look at all the talent that was still on the field, all the guys that were still here from the Super Bowl run. So guys that had championship experience, that had played with Tom Brady, that had you know carried over that, that level of excellence. And not to mention that, go look at what 
all the other comparable quarterbacks got on the free agent market. How much money did Jimmy Garoppolo get? How many, how much money did Daniel Jones get injuries aside for both of those guys, even if they had stayed healthy, I feel like it's not going out of the realm of, of, of realistic uh, possibility to say that if they had played as well as Baker Mayfield has played this year, you might not have even thought you got your money's worth. And then Derek Carr, I'd throw in there as well. Go look at the money those guys made in, on long-term deals compared to what the Bucks have gotten this year out of, out of Baker Mayfield. Again, a, a career year for him. Career high in touchdown passes, career high in passing yards, only 10 interceptions. And, and again, my thing the whole offseason was if you go back to the point in, in Baker Mayfield's career, the last time he was A, fully healthy, and B, had a decent supporting cast around him, you know, he threw for a lot of yards, had 26 touchdowns, eight picks. The Browns went 11-5 and five and went to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. So – I looked at that and you look at what Geno Smith was able to do last year. And I, I saw an opportunity with Dave Canales. I know he's a rookie coordinator and there's definitely been some lumps that they've had to take there, but I saw a scheme that would at least learn from its own mistakes would, would be able to scheme some guys open versus the travesty of a, of a scheme that the Bucks had to deal with last year uh, in the final year under Byron Leftwich and trying to hold everything together with a, a patchwork offensive line and still trying to stay vertical. It, it just didn't work. So I was confident that if, if again, he could stay healthy, which Baker honestly hasn't really fully stayed healthy. He's played through a lot of injuries this year, but he still started all 17 games, one of only eight quarterbacks in the NFL, I believe I saw that, to start all 17 games for his team this season. And I think the results were what I expected. And I think a lot of people are, who are surprised by that are surprised because they allowed themselves to be absorbed into the narrative that has grown around Baker Mayfield instead of actually looking at, at the numbers, looking at reality and looking at the context of this team and what he had done when he had this kind of team around him. I feel like a lot of other people should have been able to look at this and say, hey, 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 picks. That's doable for Baker Mayfield and the division title on top of it. Uh, again, I, even with his incentives, I think he maxed out at se- like seven or eight million for this yeah. year. Which again, go look at those other contracts that those other guys got. And if, if you don't think that's the biggest bargain at quarterback in the NFL this year, I, I don't know where else you would find it. He got less than like Taylor Heineke and Jacoby Brissett and those kind of backups too. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it's I know Jason Lights talked about it and said that Baker was pursuing us. Uh, that you know he yeah. saw the opportunity that you know he'd be able to play with great weapons. And I think you're right. Whenever he's had weapons and when he's been healthy, so much of his struggles have come when he's tried to play through crazy injuries and he's yep. been limited. Um, you know, had he just kind of sat and not played in those situations, I feel like some of his worst games or, you know, bad stretches, you know, would, would, wouldn't be there. And maybe the narrative would be a little bit different about him. But yeah, I guess, what do you, what kind of contract do you expect him to get? Are we talking about 20 million a year plus? Uh, are we talking about more than that? Like you look at Geno Smith's deal, I forget the exact numbers, but I think it's close to 30 million or, you know, 25 million. What kind of a contract do you think he'll get? I think it helps. There's not a ton of teams out there that seem like they're going to be looking for a veteran quarterback. And you, you also have, you know, Russell Wilson that will be out there. Um, it seems like a lot of teams will be turning to the draft. I guess, what do you expect the market to be for Baker? So this is how I think it's going to go. And there are a lot of moving pieces here. It's, none of these things happen in a vacuum, right? All of these things that are, that are going to be connected to each other. And part of it is what you mentioned. What is the market going to look like? Where are the Bucks going to be in terms of position to get a quarterback in the draft? Where are those other teams going to be? The Bucks are going to go into this offseason, if I had to guess. It's not just Baker Mayfield, right? They've got Mike Evans. They've got Levante David. Um, they've got, exactly, gross, Hall <laughs> of Famer. Don't him. get me started. I'll do a whole show on him. Mike Evans' Hall of Fame case. I'll do it. <laughs> I love it. Um, but, uh, you know, 
Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs are going to get blank checks. If yep. it's not this year for Winfield, it'll be the franchise tag in next year. But my, my point is they ate all of that, almost all of that dead cap this year, almost $80 million in dead cap and still won the division, by the way. If you're going to, if you're going to, Talk some you-know-what about Todd Bowles. Make sure you mention the fact that everybody picked him to finish bottom five this year, and he won the division anyway with $80 million in cap uh, and dead cap. But the Bucks are going to go into the offseason, in my opinion, and say, listen, be really transparent with guys like Baker, Evans, be like, you know we want you guys back. You know we would like to run this back, and, and we think we can win another division title with this group. Right now, I think they're sitting at about $41 million in cap space. Obviously, there's going to be some moves in there where they could clear a little bit up. Some of that is dead cap that would be Mike Evans anyway. Right. So, you know, it behooves them to get him to stay anyway because they're going to be paying double digits in, in cap number for him anyway. So that would offset some of that. I think they're going to go into this season with relatively close to $60 million-ish in actual cap space to work with. Um, I, I, you know, probably moving on from Shaq Barrett probably a couple other moves that they can, they can do to, to free up some money. Um, but particularly with guys like, like Mayfield and Evans, Levante David, if he wants to play, I think we'll be back in Tampa in a deal that makes sense for everybody. Worfs and Winfield are going to get paid whatever they want. They're not going anywhere. Whenever that happens, it, it's, it's, it's when not if, but with, yeah. with Baker and, and, and Evans in particular, I think they're connected in a way because I think what the bucks are going to do is they're going to go to them and say, Hey, we kind of have an idea how much money we're going to be able to spend. We don't know exactly. We don't know what that's going to be relative to what we can afford to pay you because we need to know how much everyone else is willing to pay you. So those two guys in particular will go out into the market. Evans will see if somebody is willing to throw stupid money at a guy who is playing out of his mind for being 30 years old. Let's be clear about that. But NFL general managers and owners don't tend to reward that. They don't seem to care most of the time. If you're going to be 31 years old, which he will be next season, it, it feels unrealistic to me based on the pattern of how the league has worked in the past that somebody is going to really overpay for Mike Evans, even the way he has played this year, leading the NFL in touchdown catches at, at 30 years old, still averaging 16 yards a catch. Ridiculous, right? But they just don't, the contracts don't work that way. They don't reward 30 plus guys for what they've already done. They look at what you can do in the future, and that usually doesn't cost $25, $30 million a year if you're you're Mike Evans. It just doesn't. And so they they will send both of those guys out. And I've said this before. If if a team like Houston, you know, goes to Evans and says, Hey, we're we're gonna give you $25, $30 million a year to come back to to back home. He's from Galveston, he loves his hometown. If that happens, I could see him saying, Eh, I'll go finish my career in Houston for $30 million a year over two or three years. A lot of that gonna be guaranteed. And they can afford it. That's maybe the only scenario. I know some people have mentioned Kansas City. I, I feel like it, Houston would beat out Kansas City in that just because of the location personally. And I, I think they would be outbid too. But what I expect is I expect Evans to go out and Mayfield again to get back to really your question, which is both of those guys are going to go out and see, is anybody going to pay Baker Mayfield $25 million a year over two or three years? You said the Geno extension, which I think was 75 over three years, but like yeah. one or two of them was guaranteed, something like that. So you know, is anybody, like you said, with, with the way teams are set right now, who needs a veteran quarterback like Mayfield enough to pay him $75 million over two, you know, over three years, two of those guaranteed? I don't know that any other team in the league is going to be sure enough about Baker Mayfield to do that. I think the Bucks might be the only team who would, but if nobody else will, then you don't have to, right? Yeah. 
So don't that, bet against yourself. Exactly. And I think that's what they're Jason Light is a fantastic general manager. Mike Greenberg, you know, his whole team, there's a reason that those guys are always popular, you know, candidates for other teams. That whole team that he has, Jackie Davidson and, and Mike Beal and everybody, they have a, such a great system and they understand how to use their money so well that I think they're gonna say they're gonna be completely honest with these guys. It's nothing personal. Go out and see what everyone else thinks you're worth. And we will beat it by a dollar, basically. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of ways to beat that, right? You're, you're in Florida. You're, you're no ta- state income tax. The same deal in Florida is not the same deal in New York or California or even Texas, any, in a lot of those places. So yep. what I think, both of those guys will end up coming in for less money than people think, not because they don't deserve it, not because they didn't earn it, but because the Bucks will only have a, so much to go around. And I think both Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans understand, I got a really good thing going here. We can we we are, have a second year in the offense, assuming all the coaching staff stays, which I expect them to now that they're in the playoffs again. Both of those guys, I think, are smart enough to understand that they've got a good thing going here. And if the money is close at all, I don't I don't see them going somewhere else for an extra couple of million dollars as opposed to staying in Tampa. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of those guys stay in Tampa for less than twenty million a year. I really think that's that's very realistic because of that context. Yeah, I think that's the dream if you're a Bucks fan. Obviously, Winfield and Wirfs have to be the top priorities. Winfield, I mean, I could go on and on about just how great he's been this season. So underrated. Yeah. The fact that he was a Pro Bowl snub is crazy. I think he's the best safety in the NFL. Should be getting more defensive player of the year love. It's wild, yeah. but um, I, I imagine he's the top priority entering this offseason. And then I think Evans has to be next after Winfield and Wirfs. Evans, and then that's what I just hope. I'd hate to see them give Baker a ton of money, and then you know it, it forces them to lose Mike Evans or other yeah. pieces that are significant, but if they can bring them both both back for the twenty million, that would be fantastic. Um, you mentioned Todd Bowles, and I want to get to this. Uh, I, I think I have friends of mine that love Todd Bowles, and then there's friends of mine that hate Todd Bowles, and I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think he was a fantastic defensive coordinator. I'll always love him for what he did in that Super Bowl run. Fantastic right. job, shut down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and and helped us win a ring. I love it. As a head coach, I definitely think he struggles with, you know, a number of things, uh, certain game planning, I, I think clock management, I think even like his messaging and, you know, media savvy, uh, there's some issues there. And, and I think sometimes it leads to, you know, like the Devin White situation, some of the stuff that he said there, even like how he managed some of the Brady stuff uh, last season, just like it creates issues that don't need to be there. And it's because he is saying the wrong things or. I think in Devin White's case, lying for him. Um, I think he's his players seem to love him. And I'll give him that. Even when the team is struggling, you look at the videos from the locker room and like the in the current series that the Bucs do, people, the players seem to absolutely adore him. And he never loses the locker room, always has their support. Um, I think the problem that I and a lot of fans have with Bulls is it just feels like you're not going to win a Super Bowl with him as your head coach. And you know, right now, I think you're celebrating a division title, obviously, but it almost feels like a default title because the division is so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at all all their wins. They didn't beat a single playoff team this season, um, I think. Uh, maybe Green Bay. one. Green Bay would be Green Bay got team, in. Okay, yeah. so Green Bay did get in, but it's mostly bad teams. Uh, and I think there's a lot of frustration over last year, too, where they entered the year as a Super Bowl contender. You know, some odds makers had them as, you know, a top two Super Bowl favorite. And then, you know, all season long, they just looked awful. And I think part of it, too, and, and Byron Leftwich is certainly to blame for some of that or a lot of that last year, too. 
And I think the Dave Canales hire has been great. You know, he seems like a, a really good young offensive coordinator. And to be able to find someone like that, despite all the limitations, was impressive. Long story short, long story long, I think Bowles is a good coach. I don't know if you're winning a Super Bowl with him. And it just feels like a lot of fans nowadays look at, uh, you don't want to be stuck in the middle with like an, a coach that's going to lead you to eight wins every single year or nine wins. Uh, where do you stand on Bowles? Uh, I do think that he has certain strengths and, and some fans completely overlook that. Um, I also think one thing that bothers me too is it feels like he, he doesn't take a lot of accountability. Like you see coaches out there that, like Mike McDaniel is the first one to say, I screwed up, it was on me, game plan yeah. was bad. It feels like Bowles is really hesitant to do that. And, and I'm sure it's tough whenever you are on the hot seat and there's fans calling for your job to go up in front of the press and say, this is all on me, I screwed up, game plan was bad, here's all the ways I screwed up. Like, I right. get that. But it feels like a lot of times it's, oh, it's you know broken coverage. We, we planned all the right things all week long. We practiced all these things and the guys didn't execute. Or it just seems like there's always someone else to blame. That's my, that's my rant on Bowles. Uh, where do you stand on Todd Bowles and the job that he's done? Uh, you know, I, I see both sides of, of the argument, right? I, I see... I see a Bucks fan base that is rightly spoiled, right? I, I mean, yeah. we have seen what it takes to win a Super Bowl twice now. Um, and I feel like I feel like there's also this like the the Dungy to Gruden transition, I think is what a lot of Bucks fans are are feeling. Okay, Bowles is is Dungy, will be good-ish, but I don't know if he'll ever get us over the hump because there are just certain things that aren't that aren't getting better, like aren't getting fixed and won't get past a certain point. And then Gruden comes in right away and they win the damn thing. Right. And so I feel like that taught bucks a, a, a lesson, but maybe also set them up for like this assumption that, Oh, if we have a mediocre head coach, all we have to do is fire him. And the guy we replace him with will automatically fix everything and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think, and, and again, Brady did some of that too, where you're like, oh man, this team is kind of, we feel like they're closer than seven and nine, right? That 2019 team had some good players, had some moments, but the interceptions, I mean, it was just, it was horrendous, right? You just couldn't do it over and over again. And then Brady shows up and they win the Super Bowl. And I think nationally, a lot of people saw that too and assumed that just happened overnight. But I do think it, it, it kind of breeds this, this understanding that, oh, if we just make this change, we'll automatically go from being semi-competitive to being a championship team. I have news for you. You could also go the other direction, I promise. Right. So for me, it's, a, it's, it's balancing. Again, this is, this is all, there's context to all of this too because you're saying, okay, I, I fire a head coach. A lot of other teams that need head coaches. What are you going to be able to sell to Ben Johnson? What are you going to be able to sell to- Todd Munkin. Yeah, Todd Munkin, that yeah. he's not going to be able to get somewhere else in a better way, in a better, in better shape than, uh, than what you have to offer in Tampa. So I, I think that's part of it for me. The, the glass half full on the bowl side is I, I seen a lot of bad bucks football and to go from Shiano to go to Lovey Smith, to go to the dirt cutter. And that's just the modern, that's not even going into my childhood into the, the Steve Weish and the, 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 that, that era. But it's like to, to have a guy come in and win, did the division title in both of his seasons to especially this year, again, be expected by most people to be a bottom five team with $80 million in dead cap, the eighth youngest roster in the NFL to lead the NFL in snaps played by undrafted free agent rookies. Yeah. A lot of that's Christian Izzy, and let's be honest, played really, really well this year. 
But to, to have all of that working against you and to still have a better record than you did last year without Tom Brady and to go 9-8 and eight and to win the division again, I feel like you've got to give him credit for that if you're going to criticize him for what you thought were shortcomings last year. I agree with everything you said about where he struggles, where he needs to improve and seems reticent to do so. And I do think he's a way better defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. I just, it's hard for me to be in a hurry to fire that guy, assuming that whoever you would get will automatically fix the things that are wrong and make you better instead of regressing in areas you might not be thinking about. And you end up, you end up in a disjointed situation where you have talent to be at least competitive and now you're not and you're back picking in the top five the next three to four years and now you fire that guy for the next guy. Maybe that leads you to a Super Bowl, but I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm impatient. I'd rather keep winning in the playoffs and take my chances in the tournament and, and see what happens than get really annoyed with how mediocre, I guess, people think Bowles is. Yeah, I, I think there are certain moments where I'm like pulling my hair out. Like there have been multiple oh, yeah. times this 100%. year where you know, timeout that- usage. Timeout usage, or you know, the, there was the play I think against Atlanta where they had nine defenders on the field and they score a touchdown. And it was one week after they had the same thing happen with ten players in the field against I think it was Carolina. Like those kind of things happen quite a bit. And My I personal think also, favorite, Alex, yeah. is uh, is the the complex pressure packages while the corners are nine yards off on third. Oh my and gosh! Like Literally, I, played, I, I didn't play quarterback in the NFL, but I played quarterback hot at, at, like enough to know that if I have pressure and all I have to do is look out and have a wide open receiver, like three yards off the ball and get a first down. Like that's really, really simple for me. I'm fine it's with so you frustrating. bring all the pressure you want. Yeah. I feel like during the saints game in particular, we saw that a ton. It's just like, what are you doing? Uh, there's a lot of moments like that where it's very frustrating, but I also think like, I, I also have a hard time with this and I am torn because I do think he's like a really nice guy. I'm never one. That's like, Oh, call people's jobs. I don't, I, right, I don't right. love that. That happens a ton. And, you know, I know this is the guy with the family and, and he seems like a great dude. So I don't know. It's I am I am torn. And I do think you're right. I do think Bucks fans have been spoiled to an extent. They've had some amazing coaches with Bruce Arians, John Gruden, Tony Dungy. We've seen especially amazing in coaches years. with immediate success, too. I yeah. think that's a huge part of it where the new guy shows up. Everything gets fixed and we win a Super Bowl. Great. Let's do it again. It's so rare in sports for that to happen. And I think um it's just, you're right. There can be the other side of it. And there's certain things that we take take for granted. Like, you know, we used to be horrible run defensively and, and then Bull yeah. steps in and that's been great ever since. Like, uh, and also I think a lot of the players that have been drafted in recent years were picked because they fit in Bulls' scheme before Bruce Arian's scheme, but it was still Bulls' defense. So, I mean, and, and I think one of the things that I think is attractive for a guy like Baker Mayfield as he enters free agency is he's bounced around so much uh, and had different coaches. And it's one of the reasons why I think he struggled at times because he's constantly learning new systems and dealing with new coaches and new coordinators and all that. And he's even talked about it. One of the things that was attractive about Tampa was the structure and that continuity is important too. So I definitely am torn. Like I, I'm not someone that's like, we need to get rid of him right now. Uh, you know, and like I have Bucks fans that are so frustrated with this team that they're like all year long, they were rooting for them to lose. So that Bulls yeah. would get fired and they would get a higher draft pick. And I've seen it on Bucks Twitter and stuff too. Um, I'm not there, but I understand the frustration with Bulls. So it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, what happens in the playoffs is going to, I think, be telling. And I, I do think he deserves credit for leading such a young team with undrafted guys playing, you know, roles and winning division with so much dead cap. Like those things aren't easy. And he deserves credit for that. Um, I just hope, and it's possible that he gets better as a coach too. Like, you know, Jason Light had a lot of misses when he was, uh, you know, starting out as a GM. You look at his draft record. It's gotten so much better in recent years than it was back then. 
Um, so it's possible that he improves over time too. And, you know, with time, you know, becomes better and fixes some of those issues. But yeah, I just, it's an interesting conversation because I get fans being like, hey, we, the goal is Super Bowls. We've won them. You know, if this guy can't take us to a championship, why is he here? But sometimes it's not that simple. So I appreciate you breaking it down there. Um, I want to ask you one more Bucks question, then we'll focus on, you know, some other playoff matchups, you know, one or two things here. Uh, With the draft, who are some, I guess, what positions are you hoping they target? Uh, There was a lot of fans looking for a quarterback, but I think Baker's played well enough that he's probably going to be the guy, assuming it's not crazy money. Um, With that first, second round pick, what positions would you be targeting? And are there any certain players that you like, you know, kind of the range they might be picking in? So the quarterback conversation for them, I think, was was moot when they made the playoffs. And part of that yeah. is because I think we're going to see three in the top five, maybe three in the top three, if the Bears want to take one. Um, that's how strongly I feel about, obviously, Caleb Williams and Drake May, but also Jaden Daniels after the season he just had. Um, and I think even, you know, Michael Penix didn't look great uh, in the national championship game, but I feel like if, if you liked him before the game, it's not going to kill his stock for you. If you hated him, then you already weren't going to take him anyway. So it's fine. Um, but I, I still don't think it's crazy to think that Penix will be off the board in, in the top 20 as well. So if, if, if all four of those guys are gone, you can spend the 20th pick on, on who on Bo Nix. You can spend it on JJ McCarthy. If he comes out, you're going to spend it on, I, I don't see any of those guys making that. So that's part of it for me is that I just don't see, you know, you can get Cam Ward in the third, maybe the fourth. And now we're talking. Now we've got a you know, young, developmental, cheap guy to kind of replace Trask in that wheel. Like that makes sense, but I, I just don't see it happening early. Um, you know, if we're talking about, you know, again, if they lose and they're picking, you know, if they lose to Philly and they're picking twentieth, you know, that's a spot where I think edge rusher makes a ton of sense, both in terms of the need. Again, I, I don't know that Shaq Barrett is back next season. Joe Tryon Choyenka has been, I would say, a disappointment as a first-round yeah. pick, inconsistent at best, and that's just not what you want from a first-round pick. Um, obviously, Jason Light crushed it this year with Yaya Diaby in the third, Kalijah Kansi on the interior in, in the yeah. first. But but they're going to need another edge guy, and I feel like this class, there's there's four guys, maybe even five at the top there, where you know even if if you know Leia Tulatu or Dallas Turner, Jared Verse. If a few of these guys are off the board already, you're still going to have Braylon Trice from Washington. You're still going to have Chop Robinson from Penn State. Either of those guys, I feel like at 20 would make a lot of sense, and I think they'd both fit Bowl's system as well. Um, after that, you know, do they do they want to plan for the future? Even if Evans comes back, you know, do you? This is just absolutely bonkers wide receiver class, right? I was doing some evals today, and I think I have like. I'm at 17 or 18 guys and I'm still giving out third round grades. Like it's just, wow. It's absolutely stupid how good this wide receiver class is. And so it's not even just the depth. There are like, cause you'd be like, Oh, at the deep class, I can wait till the third. Like, yeah, but there's like five guys at the top that are really, really good that my, maybe I'll do both. Maybe I'll take one in the first and one in the third or fourth. Like there's so many great players in the, in that receiver class. So, even if they get both those guys back, again, Evan's probably not going to be more than a, a two-year, maybe three-year deal. Uh, you know, Godwin's going into the last deal, year of his deal, so I would not count out wide receiver even if Evans is back. And again, Trey Palmer, I love Trey Palmer. I still think he has a very bright future, flash some some potential this year. I think they stole him in the, in the sixth round. I had a third-round grade on him. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't count out receiver there. The other thing is left guard, man. They've got to figure it out at left guard. I, I think center makes sense too. I think they can upgrade over Robert Hainsey, but I think that's more of a you know third or fourth round need. 
if they could get a guy like Troy uh, Faltanu from uh, from Washington, who's their left tackle now, but I think he'll be a guard in the NFL um, in the first round. Maybe even Cooper Beebe from Kansas State feels like a Jason Light type of guy uh, in the second round on day two. There's a lot of guards in that early round range that I feel like would be able to come in and finally shore up that left guard spot, which since Ali Marpet retired has really just been a sore spot that the Bucks just haven't been able to fill. And and I wouldn't count out corner either. I, you know, it, Carlton Davis, I don't know if he has any guaranteed money left on his deal, and they may just move on from that. He's got a really high cap number next year, and he he misses like six games a year. So yeah. I, I really think they could save a lot of money there. And, and if they find another big, long corner, again, very, very deep classic corner. If you got guys like Nate Wiggins, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terion Arnold, Kalen King, Cooper DeJean, I mean, it's a very deep first to second round corner class that I think they could dip into there if they want to reload that and not have a not have a, a lull there. I know Zion McCollum, again, another guy I was super high on that I think they stole. He had a great year. Um, but wouldn't be surprised if they move on from Davis and, and want to draft a corner high too. Yeah, I think all that makes sense. Uh, we'll end on this. Outside of Bucks eagles which we've already talked about a bunch, what matchup uh, are you excited about? I'll say Chiefs-Dolphins. I think that can be high scoring. Obviously, the Chiefs haven't really been themselves this year, but it's still Patrick Mahomes and, uh, you know, uh, this Dolphins team just puts up so many points. They're fun to watch. Uh, I think that could be a high-scoring, fun game. Uh, so who, which matchup are you excited about, and then what's your Super Bowl pick? I mean, it's, it's probably going to be cliche, but I love the, the Lions-Rams matchup. I, I feel like there's just too many good narratives. I love a good story, man. And, yeah. and you know, Stafford going back to Ford Field to face Detroit, Goff playing against McVay and the Rams, I feel like that's just too good. That's just too sweet of a, uh, of a setup. I also really like Houston and Cleveland. I, I think the the two different stories that you have going there and, you know, the Deshaun Watson factor in all that where they traded all those picks to Houston to get Watson and now he's not there on the field, but you still made it to the playoffs with Joe Flacco off the couch, who's my age, by the way, and I can't even <laughs> get out of bed without hurting something and he's and just jumping Joe. off the couch and, and throwing for 350 yards a game. Screw Crazy. you, Joe Flacco. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, just a great – you know, look at what Houston did, the way they rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. You don't you make the playoffs at the last minute and then you win the division at the last minute uh, because of Jacksonville losing. And now you get to you know host a home playoff game. I think there's a lot of fun storylines in that matchup as well. Super Bowl pick is going to be really boring, man. I, I feel like all season, the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens have been the two best teams in the NFL. Yeah. That's my and I just team. I just don't see anybody beating those teams. I, I feel like personnel scheme. Both sides of the ball, complimentary football, big plays. They can both run the ball. They can both throw the ball for chunk plays. I, as a pure football fan, obviously in a dream world, love to see the Bucks in the Super Bowl every year. But as a purely football fan, please give me that matchup. I want to see those two teams play against each other for the Super Bowl. It'd be a fantastic game. Yeah, I have Niners over Ravens. That's my pick. I just think they're both so well-rounded and can beat you in so many ways. They can do it on you know offense and defense. Uh, so many weapons. I'm a huge fan of both of those teams. They've been fun to watch this year. And then you mentioned Houston. I love that Texans young core. I think they're going to yeah. be a ton of fun going forward. D'Amico Ryan's great. Uh, CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Obviously, Tank's hurt, but that trio going forward offensively is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I'm in a few dynasty football leagues, and yep. I have all three of those guys across different leagues. So I'm, you know, a big Houston. Well, look fan at the defense. Look at the defense. Yeah. Will Anderson, D- Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, and Christian Harris, I thought came along really well at linebacker this year as well. I mean, they've got a, a young core on both sides of the ball. And I'm telling you, man, D'Amico Ryans is that dude. He is a Such special a human being. I think he's a special head coach. And I think he will 
I think he'll be buried in Houston. Like he will be there forever because I think he he loves that city again. He was the the thirty third overall pick in in that draft when he came out of Alabama, and that that draft was fun for me because they took Mario Williams number one. And D'Amico Ryan's won Defensive Rookie of the Year. He was their second-round pick that year, and he was the guy who won Defensive Rookie of the Year. So I, I just – I don't know, man. I, I I got a great feeling about him. I, I said so at the beginning of the season. So great to see the way they played for him this year. And, again, I, I think he's going to be old and gray and still on the sidelines in Houston winning a lot of football games. Yeah, if they're smart, they'll keep him as long as they can. One more question. I just thought of this. The Mike Rabel news is interesting. Titans move yeah. on from him. They could have traded him. There were rumors about that, but I, I see they came out and said they didn't want to miss on any of the top candidates and trading him would have taken too long. Uh, what are your what? thoughts on Vrabel? I think there was a report that he asked to to be either traded or, or you know, let go, basically. So there's that as well. It's not like they just did it uh, out of nowhere. What are your thoughts on that whole situation? And uh, I think he's a fantastic coach. I'm surprised that, you know, he was th- that they moved on from him for nothing. At least, I would try to trade him at least. Yeah, I, I get the vibe. I have no inside information here. I'm not a sources guy. I'm not. That's not my gig. Um, but, um, you know, I don't I'm not sure what kind of language I can use on this show, but uh, anything you want. It's it's <laughs> I felt like from Vrabel's perspective, it feels like a shit or get off the pot. Like, I feel like he probably got annoyed that if they weren't going to commit, like, okay, just let's just move on. Let's just move on. If you are unsure about whether or not I'm doing this the right way and whether or not you want me to be the guy that, that drives my, you know, my part of this bus moving forward, let's just, let's just move on. Cause I don't want to deal with that. I don't want, you know, I, I want to go somewhere where I am clearly, you know, this is the guy I, I believe in you. This is what's going to happen. That's fine. And I don't think there's necessarily even any bad blood in that scenario. It's like, if they want to make a change and go in a different direction, go do that. I know I'll be fine because I know there's going to be quite a few teams and maybe he wants a fresh start as much as they do uh, as well. And again, you know, you got Derrick Henry moving on. I think there's going to be, there was going to be a philosophical difference in the way that football team had to play next year. Anyway, will Levis being the new guy to kind of build around there, there was going to be some big changes anyway. So I think for both sides, they probably just realized, Hey, this is, this is probably for the best. I don't think either of them are mad about it. I think, I think if anything, Vrabel will probably find a better place to be um, with a, with a probably more talented roster. Uh, I don't think he'll have any shortage of, uh, of people going after him again. Look at the record and say what you want. I just think he's a damn good coach. I think he's a really good football coach. I think players enjoy playing for him. Um, And uh, yeah, I just, on paper, I don't understand the move for Tennessee. I I think they're going to regret doing that. Um, But I I think Vrabel's going to be fine. And whoever gets him is going to be really happy that Tennessee decided to go that route. Yeah, I think there's more of that story for sure. Now, I'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if anything comes out, but fantastic coach. I think he'll be highly coveted. Um, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's always fun talking football on this show, picking your brain, especially, you know, right before a Bucks playoff game. Had to have you on. Uh, can you tell everyone where they can find more of your work? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, at Luke Easterling on Twitter, uh, and uh, I write for Athlon Sports. So you go to athlonsports.com, and also I run the, uh, the NFL draft site on si.com as well. So you go to si.com slash NFL slash draft. I do all the content there as well. Um, so whether you're a Bucks fan, you're a fan of all 32 teams, I got you covered on the draft side of things um, on Athlon and SI. Keep killing it. As you mentioned, uh, I've learned a ton about draft prospects from your your articles. And I mean, I think when I started to kind of get on board, the whole Baker situation was reading your articles because you were comparing to Gino. You laid out a plan of like, hey, this is how the Baker Bucks could be better than last season's Bucks with Brady. Uh, your, your coverage is fantastic. So keep up the great work and uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, man. This is a lot of fun. Let's do it again. 
For sure. If you guys want to hear more episodes of Running Up the Score, check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching.